Welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast, where we talk to C-level leaders from across the payments landscape. We'll be discussing the products and services that impact the payment space today, as well as trends and predictions for the future of payments. We will also hear stories from our guests about their journeys to the top. In payments, there's always things that are changing. I think there's a set of people who are digital natives now, and they might switch from credit cards, ACH to Venmo, etc. My focus is more on the people who aren't digital natives and how we're going to get them paying in ways that are more efficient for the billers or our customers that we work with. That was Kevin O'Brien, the president of Enterprise Solutions for Engage Smart, and he is my special guest on this episode, episode 235 of the Leaders in Payments podcast, and I'm your host, Greg Myers. Kevin has a genuine passion for people and was focused on financial services before the term digital transformation even existed. EngageSmart is a SaaS platform focused on simplifying the customer and client experience. Their main verticals include health and wellness, utilities, insurance, customer finance, and tax. Their goal is to create a more streamlined experience for their clients that look to engage their customers largely through payments. Kevin and I go on to talk about his journey to the role of president of Enterprise Solutions, including where he sees the industry going in the next two to three years as it relates to online bill pay adoption and the Amazon-like experience every customer is looking for. We've got a great episode ahead, so let's get started. Hi, Kevin. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Leaders in Payments podcast. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. So let's dive right in. If you don't mind, tell our audience a little bit about yourself, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, where you currently live, a few things like that. Yeah, certainly. So grew up north of Boston in Andover, Massachusetts, have uh, two older sisters and I went north from there for a period of time. So I went to high school up in New Hampshire. I was very avid in ski racing. So that was my early passion and followed that to college at Colby College up in Maine where I ski raced and then made my way back south to Boston after college. I joke with my wife sometimes that after being in college in Maine, I thought it was warm in Boston. (laughs) And yeah, I started my career in Boston and lived there for about 10 years and then moved out west to California when I met my wife. She was living in San Francisco. I was working for Oracle at the time and was able to make a move to a headquarters job at Oracle. And we lived out there for about seven years, had our first kid out there, Cecily, who's now 11. And then we moved back to the Boston area about 10 years ago. And now I live just west of Boston. And I am in our offices in Braintree, Massachusetts, just south of Boston today. Okay. All right. So you're left coast or right coast all the way, huh? (laughs) I have a little left coast familiarity. Enough to know that when you go from the right coast to the left coast, you lose the season. So it's a little interesting for somebody who grew up out here to live in California and and lose the four distinct seasons. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. All right, well, let's talk about the company EngageSmart. So tell the audience what EngageSmart does. Yeah, so EngageSmart is focused on simplifying customer and client experience. And we are a pure SaaS business focused in a set of verticals across health and wellness, utility, insurance, consumer finance, tax, 
And we're really helping businesses in a, call it a B to B to C model where they need to engage their customers and work in that customer interaction where a big piece of that is payments. So through our solutions, there's a thread of payments that ties it together. Okay. And just so we're clear beyond payments, what are the other things that you help your clients do? Think about the engagement process. So we have a business called Simple Practice, which is focused in the behavioral health space and some other adjacencies. And that helps think a mental health professional manage their whole practice from scheduling and onboarding a customer through telehealth to payment and really replaces a a full-time person they might have at the front desk in a software fashion. And then on the nonprofit side with our donor drive offering, we focus on peer-to-peer giving events. So think run, walk, bike, dance-a-thon. So one of your friends or a relative asks you to donate to an event they're participating in, donor drive is the platform that would help to engage those donors and take those payments. So those would be some examples. Okay, okay. And your title is President of Enterprise Solutions. So maybe tell us the distinction between small business and enterprise. Yeah, certainly. So our SMB division is focused on a solution called Simple Practice, which I just described. And the go-to-market model is a little different there where a lot of it is referrals from existing practitioners online. So really a a top of funnel focused on marketing as opposed to on the enterprise side that I run. It's more traditional sales and marketing where we have an alliance-centric model where if you think about Invoice Cloud, which is our largest solution, we work with customer information systems that we integrate to and we go into their customer base with warm intros from those alliance partners and it really makes us a bit more efficient from that standpoint. Okay. And then are there specific solutions that are just under enterprise solutions? Yeah. On the enterprise side, Invoice Cloud is the largest and we're focused in the utility space, the tax space, insurance, consumer finance. Uh, We also have Donor Drive in the nonprofit space where we're predominantly looking at those peer-to-peer events. We have large nonprofits like National Multiple Sclerosis, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, Children's Miracle Network Hospitals. So, So big nonprofits like that. And then an offering in the healthcare or hospital space called HealthPay24, where we have a series of large healthcare systems like Northwell Health in New York, Fairview, University of Washington Medicine. Okay. Okay. And you mentioned the alliances. Maybe can you speak a little more to to sort of what do those integrations look like? So that's one part of the question. I guess the second part is, do you also have a direct sales team that goes after leads or is it basically all through those alliances? Yeah. So it's a direct sales team that works with the alliance. So we're running the deal cycle and the alliance partner, if you think about a, a utility, they have a core billing system or a system of record that produces an invoice file. And we take that invoice file, we present it electronically so that people can pay online, and then we engage those customers through text, email reminders, things like that. So the 
partners that we have, the CIS partners, will make introductions into their customer base and will work with us throughout the life cycle of those customer relationships. Okay. And just curious, were these all separate solutions that the company purchased over time or were these all self-grown solutions? The original solution was Invoice Cloud and Bob Bennett and a set of leaders started that business in, I believe, 2008. And as that business grew organically, they took funding from Summit Partners. And as part of that funding, they were able to pursue some additional acquisitions. So the Donor Drive, Simple Practice, HealthPay24 were all subsequent acquisitions that we had as we grew the business. Okay. And can you tell me how big the business is today? Yeah, I think coming out of Q1, we were just over $350 million in annualized revenue, and that represented 31% year-on-year growth. So very healthy business from a revenue standpoint, from a growth standpoint, and good margins. So 19.6% EBITDA margins. So the growth rate, the margin rate puts us in a in a uh, pretty select group of companies from from the standpoint of high growth, high profit SaaS. Sure. And you mentioned SaaS. So basically your customers are paying a monthly fee for the software. And does that include payments or is payments transaction fee that's on top of that SaaS fee? Yeah, we have a mix of both. I In the SMB or the simple practice area, there's more of a mix between payments and subscription. On the enterprise side, we're more heavily weighted towards payments. A lot of the customers that we have, we go into, and it's pretty simple for them because the way that they're paying for the software is through a customer convenience fee. We don't charge for implementation, so it's a pretty smooth model as we've grown from the kind of smaller utility into the larger size accounts. Okay, okay. What would you say differentiates your company from your competitors out there? First and foremost, we're pure SaaS. So a lot of the companies that we compete with are older model architecture, single tenant on-premise or single tenant hosted. And it just gives us an advantage in the ability to roll out new functionality throughout the year and roll it out uniformly across customers versus in those older architectures, they have to individually update systems, they have limited resources, and customers get stuck in time. So they'll be stuck on a version that's three, four, five years old, where our customer base is on the latest and greatest every day. And also from an adoption standpoint, we drive the highest digital adoption of any of our competitors. So when customers get started with us, just on thinking about the invoice cloud side, we're aligned with them on driving e-payment adoption. And we typically see a 50-60% increase in their online payment adoption in the first year that we work with them. So are most of those clients sort of new to the whole e-payment world, like they haven't offered it in the past? They've offered it, they haven't had optimized systems. So we've designed Invoice Cloud to be very focused on e-adoption, email reminders, pay-by-text, text reminders. So from an omni-channel standpoint, we offer a lot of ways to pay. And then from a design standpoint, we make it very easy, whether somebody's a registered user or we put a lot of thought and design work into a non-registered guest user. So think about going to pay a bill and you have a whole bunch of forms you need to fill out to register. 
before you can pay. We make it very simple for you to go in as a guest and make a payment, enroll in auto pay, enroll in paperless, things like that. Okay. Yeah, it reminds me like the friction in paying online with some utilities or whatever, it can be painful even if you're you know, a customer, right? It's not necessarily as easy as you would think it would be. And then you have others. I mean, we use AT&T for basically our phones and internet and stuff at home. And it's almost an Amazon experience. I mean, you go in there and you go and you log in and it's a one-click experience. And so I'm just thinking you guys have simplified that. You've made the customer interaction. That's, that's kind of how you described the company at the beginning is you work with your customers on the actual interaction with their customers customers. It just seems like a differentiation and a kind of a, a unique place that you guys have kind of built your business around. Yeah, I think it's a good example. If you think about the AT&Ts and the like of the world, they've spent hundreds of millions of dollars building those systems. And when you get into utilities, insurance companies, tax authorities, they don't have hundreds of millions of dollars to spend building those kind of experiences. But we've put that level of effort in and we're able to bring that into their market, into their customers and bring that Amazon-like experience to paying bills that in the past were very difficult to pay electronically. We've all heard the terms embedded payments or integrated payments. And of course, it's a huge trend in our industry. But the truth is, there's so much more to the story. So in collaboration with NMI, the fully integrated payment solution built to scale, we've launched the B-Solid campaign, where we're exploring embedded finance with guests from leading companies like KeyBank, Bain Capital Ventures, and more. To listen to the latest episodes, visit leadersinpayments.com or nmi.com slash resources slash podcast. In a world full of squares and stripes, B-Solid. Where do you see the payments industry headed, say, in the next two to three years? As we look at the business, I think a lot about adoption. So more people paying bills online. I think about who's not paying online right now. So in visiting a customer in Texas recently, they have 40% of their utility customers still paying in cash, right? Visiting a customer down in Florida, they have a huge elderly population that struggles with paying online. So I think about those two populations since our focus is on helping customers with digital adoption and what are the solution sets that are going to help there. So I think in payments, there's always things that are changing. I think there's a set of people who are digital natives now and they might switch from credit cards, ACH to Venmo, et cetera. My focus is more on the people who aren't digital natives and how we're going to get them paying in ways that are more efficient for the billers or our customers that we work with. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, how do you get those populations, you know, the 40%, how do you get them to start paying online? It depends a little bit on what they're doing today, right? So there's people who are getting bills in the mail and still putting checks back. So You can put QR codes on the bills to bring them online. You can work with the billers to create incentives. There's uh, sweepstakes that we run that uh, help our billers to get attention towards auto pay and paperless enrollment. So there's a number of things that you can do. I think 
On the cash side, it's with the unbanked population, it's an area that I'm still exploring and interested in solutions in, as in the elderly populations that aren't as digitally native as as others. I think that there's more that we can do there. Yeah. Just in case you don't know, we do a monthly focus on financial inclusion every year, and typically it's in September or October. So, you know, over the years, it's been something that I've been passionate about because I feel like the payments industry and fintech as a whole does a lot for the unbanked and underbanked that a lot of people don't even know about. So I try to give a platform for that. So just FYI that there's there's some companies out there that we've talked to that play in that financial inclusion space. And it's, I think, a huge opportunity for payments. And I'm still amazed when I hear the stats about the number of people still paying with ACA or paying with checks and mailing checks in. And you just think about the the runway that we have in payments, I mean, there's so much innovation, but just step back and look at that one simple part of it. I mean, there's still so much growth that's going to happen converting those people over time from checks to digital payments. Yeah, it, there's a lot of human behavior and inertia. I was at a customer in Wisconsin a few weeks ago, and they get a lot of walk-up payment. And I said, well, why do you get so much walk-up payment? He said, well, you parked in the parking lot. You see where we are. The school's across the street. The grocery store's right there. It's somebody's routine. They come into town, they pick their kid up from school, they get the groceries and they drop off the check at the utility office or they come in and want to pay with a credit card at the utility office. So there's there's a bit of a social experience for people walking into these offices. There's a bit of a routine that people have and part of it is breaking into that to try to help our customers get a bit more efficient. And there's some things that happened in COVID. There's a customer of ours in North Carolina. When we started coming out of the pandemic and people started opening their office back up, they said, actually, no, we're not going to take walk-up payments. We're going to hold strong. This has been working with contactless payments during the pandemic. And you got to pay online. We got a lot of options to do that. You can call in, you can use the web, you can use your phone, you can pay by text, (laughs) but you can't come visit us anymore. So I think there's more of that that we'll see. A lot of the billers we have are pretty conservative. And in some cases, they're elected officials where they're pretty sensitive to the constituents and the customer base that they're servicing. Sure, sure. Do you see a lot of difference between adoption, say, for the the biller community, which, you know, we all understand billers and what they do, and let's say healthcare? I mean, completely different animal, but do you see a huge difference or are some of the core problems the same? I think it's, I think in healthcare, there's just more complexity with the insurance adjudication, with the upfront co-pays, So I think in the healthcare space with HealthPay24, we have a big focus on the simplicity of the presentment of the medical bill so that somebody can look at it, understand what's going on, understand the insurance elements and what they need to pay. So I think that's a difference on the healthcare side. I think in the other markets we serve, tax has its own dimensions where they just bill less frequently. So as we work with a tax biller versus a utility biller, and we're looking to drive adoption, you might only have two bites at the apple because they're dropping bills twice a year versus 12 times a year at a utility. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about you. So 
tell us about your journey to your role there as the president of Enterprise Solutions. Maybe walk us through your career journey. I know you mentioned Oracle, but maybe kind of walk us through where you've been, what you've done, and how you ended up there at Engage Smart. Yeah, for sure. I, I've been in the software space for 25 years. I just had a 25-year reunion for my college, which we actually skipped and we went skiing because I tried to get my friend from Chicago to come to Maine. And he said, if I'm getting on a plane, we're going skiing. So we actually went to Utah for Memorial Day weekend. But I guess that's, that's a long way to, to answer your question. Look, coming out of college in 1998, I was really focused on the internet. I thought the internet was very cool. I jumped into two different companies where I focused on financial services and the word digital transformation didn't exist there. It was more people were afraid that E-Trade was going to eat their lunch. And I got really interested in software. I moved from there into more of a manufacturing software company called PTC and then went to business school after that, went into Oracle and had worked on the product side at PTC, building a product from scratch and wanted to spend more time on the sales side. So got into the sales side of Oracle and really learned the sales management, the analytics, the territory setup, and then spent a lot of time in alliances and channels and deeply understanding how partnerships work, the different types of partnerships, and built and scaled three different businesses for Oracle up over 100 million, 500 million levels. So got some good experience, worked with some really smart people there. And then I had an opportunity actually to go back to PTC, was very interested at the time in the IoT space and went there and helped them build up their IoT business, their partner ecosystem, and transitioned from that to a general manager role, which was really where I wanted to end up was running a business and ran their PLM business, about 450 million ARR, helped them grow that. We were growing it at double the industry growth rate. So that was a good experience and was looking for something a little bit different. I'd been in that market, met Bob Bennett, who's the CEO here in EngageSmart, really enjoyed the time with him. Just great entrepreneur, great person and really understands business inside and out, knows people, knows rapport building. So from the first time I met him, I knew I could learn a lot from him and then just started meeting people here and said, gosh, this is this is a good group of people. I can learn a lot. And at the same time, I can add a lot of value. The business model, the go-to-market being focused on alliances is something that I'm very familiar with. And then the companies just look great. The growth level, the profit level, it was exciting. And I like to learn. I'm very curious. I like new spaces. And for me, payments, fintech was all new. So that's been a lot for me to learn. And I've enjoyed that part of it. So I think that's kind of how I've gotten here. Okay. Okay. So the next question is about your passions. So I know you've mentioned skiing a couple of times. So I think it's obvious that you have a personal passion for (laughs) skiing. Maybe talk about your professional passion. What is there that you really are passionate about from a business or a professional perspective? I think people. For me, this business, any business is a collection of people. I like the hiring process. I like meeting a lot of people, finding somebody that's the right fit, that what we have to offer is the next step in their career. I like to see people develop. So we spend a lot of time here on our hiring process. We have an awesome 
recruiting team. And then we look to develop people, create career ladders so people have clarity on where things are going. So I like that people aspect. I like seeing people learn, pick up new skills, grow their career, get promoted. All that kind of stuff is really exciting for me. Okay. And I think that's a good segue into the next question. I often talk about when I started in payments 20 years ago, there was, well, the word fintech didn't exist. And you really kind of fell into the industry. I don't think anyone at that time said, hey, I want to build a career in payments. But I think that's changed. I think even you know colleges now have fintech courses. I think people look at payments and fintech and say, I want to build a career there. There's so much innovation. There's so much new technology investments. So I think people are stepping back and saying, I want to build a career there. So the question is, what advice would you give someone? Maybe you're about to hire them or hiring them and they come to you and say, hey, I want to be successful in this payments fintech world. What would you tell them they need to do to be successful? Yeah, maybe a couple of things. So one, look at Engage Smart because we're hiring like crazy and we're looking for smart, energetic, high bandwidth people. So take a look at us. Next, I think it matters where you go. And I think as a young person, you're going to get more interesting assignments, more growth at a company that's growing. So going to a place that's high growth and has enough scale to provide you some mentoring, I think is important. And the overall thing I would say is, which I think young people vastly underallocate time on, is networking. <laughs> it's, it's, it sounds trite, it sounds simple. At the same time, if somebody from Colby College reaches out to me, I'll get on the phone with them. And it happens a few times a year. And those are the type of people I see being successful in their early career and building relationships, building mentoring as part of their career. So I just think young people need to pick up the phone or go on LinkedIn and reach out to people because it's pretty easy to get that snowball running downhill. And I always tell people when they're networking, just get that first meeting. And by the end of the meeting, ask that person to make one, two, three intros for you to other people. And the next thing you know, you're going to meet a lot of people. And it just shows a level of maturity, I think, when somebody early in their career is able to reach out and effectively connect with professionals in their area of interest and They'll learn a lot, and it's really how they'll find interesting opportunities. Yeah, that's interesting because I think it was the number one mistake that I made early in my career in payments. I did not network. I went to the office heads down, working my butt off, trying to do the best I could, and spent zero time networking. So I think you're absolutely right on allocate the time to network. It's going to pay off even though it's for some people it's hard, you just have to do it to be successful. And maybe that's true in every industry. I certainly think it's true in payments. It's a relatively small industry and you need to get to know the people. And it was definitely a mistake that I made early in my career. Yeah, I think I'm an analytical person. So I think sometimes people overthink it. So I think it's one of those areas where you just got to get going and you'd be surprised who will take a call with you. And you'd be surprised, just talk to your family, talk to your neighbors, talk to your friends, talk to your friends' parents, go into your alumni network directory. It's not hard. You only have to talk to a couple people and ask them to introduce you to one or two people. And 
you can build a network really fast. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's incredibly good advice. Well, Kevin, we've covered a lot of ground about the company and your role and what you're doing there and a little bit about you personally. Is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up? Well, I think we've covered a lot of territory. I know you got a lot of people in the payment space and I would just say, hey, if there's something that I've talked about here, whether it's elderly adoption or getting people to move from paying with cash to paying electronically that you could help us with. I'd, I'd love a conversation and we're hiring. We're hiring across all roles. We have a pretty open geographic span. So we're hiring people across the US. So if you know good people, let us know. We're a great place to work. And I'd love to have any of those introductions. Okay. What's the best way for people to reach you or learn more about the company? EngageSmart.com. You can learn about the company. Each of the solutions I talked about has a website that you could go and see the customer-facing materials. So invoice.com, donordrive.com, et cetera. My email's koBrian at engagesmart.com. I'm on LinkedIn, so send me an email. Hit me on LinkedIn. I, I'm always happy to network with people. Okay, great. Well, Kevin, thank you so much for being on the show today. I know your time's very valuable, so I appreciate you being here. Absolutely. And to all you listeners out there, I thank you for your time as well. And until the next story. Thank you for joining us this week on the Leaders in Payments podcast. Make sure you visit our website at leadersinpayments.com, where you can subscribe to the show and where you'll find our show notes. If you enjoyed listening, please share on your social channels as well. 